This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure, long gone. Fly the W! Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season two, episode 29. Cubs outstanding in Oakland. Crowley, what a series we have to talk about. But before we do, don't forget to listen, download, review. Most importantly, subscribe to our podcast and follow the socials. Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, and fly the W on Facebook. Or email us at fly the W670 at gmail.com. Crowley, how you doing on this Wednesday afternoon? My arms are tired from all the flying the W's, man. That, that, there's a lot of W's being waved here, man. A lot of flying of the W's lately. Yeah, oh, it's been a Lord. fun couple of days out in Oakland other than the uh, late starts when you get up at 2.30 in the morning. I mean, this is this is ridiculous, man. You know, I, I, I told you, when, last time we talked and we were making predictions, I just couldn't see the way that the Cubs would lose to this team. Now, I didn't think they were going to pull up their stud ace, but, but I mean, the, I mean, Jesus, this ace team is just awful. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you ask five of your buddies and, you, and your buddies are like, they're probably not like you exactly, but they're like baseball people. Okay. They're baseball people. If you ask five of your buddies, could they get past three A's before this series started? Going into the series, could they have named three Oakland A's? And I don't mean that ever played for the A's. I mean that currently play for the A's. I, I got to guess the answer is no. You know how bad your season's going because I'm watching all weekend long or all week long, and they got this promotion, Tony Kemp poster. If that's what you're right. advertising as your poster. That's your, the only guy as, I knew. That's the only guy <laughs> I knew. Seriously. That was the only guy I'd ever heard of on this team. The only, The if, only guy. If that's your big giveaway, then that's why you're drawing less than 9,000 fans in that monstrosity right. of a stadium. That's why possums, that's why possums are living there in the press box because nobody would possums are outnumbering, they're outnumbering the A's fans right now. Unbelievable. They're going to do, supposedly they're, they're going to do a reverse. They're going to redo a reverse protest. They're all going to show up. They're going to pack the joint just to show the, uh, just to show ownership up. Supposedly, I guess it didn't happen uh, during the Cubs series. I'll believe it when I see it. All right, Crowley. So we flew the W quite a bit over the last couple of days. Let's uh, rewind and go back to uh, Monday night. Yeah, we were excited about Monday because we knew that Hayden Wisniewski was looking for his first win. He's going to go up against the A's, Kyle Muller. And and we, we said this week A's lineup was exactly what Hayden needed, get his confidence going a little bit. First couple of innings were a bit of a struggle for Hayden. In the bottom of the first, Oakland speedy leadoff hitter Esteri Ruiz singled. Ryan Nota also singled, putting runners in the corner. And an Aldemiz Diaz ground out allowed Ruiz to score, and Oakland was up quickly 1-0. That lead did not last long because in the top of the second with two outs, who else? Patrick Wisdom crushed one, crushed one 428 feet with an exit velo of 109.6. So that extended his streak of four straight games with a homer, tying his career high, which he did August 25th to 28th, 2021. 
Seiya Suzuki gave the Cubs the lead in the third inning with an RBI single to score Nico Horner, and the Cubs led 2-1. to one. But the Cubs' offense exploded for four runs in the fourth with one out. The red-hot Cody Bellinger doubled and scored on an RBI single by the equally red-hot Jan Gomes to make it 3-1. to one. Nick Magical doubled on a fly ball to right that wasn't deep but was just kind of hit at the right angle with enough English, and he was able to sneak in under the slide. Then Nico Horner singled to score Jan Gomes, but for some reason, Nick Magical blew past third base coach Willie Harris' stop sign and got thrown out at home. I think it was just a case of Magical wanting to do too much and not thinking straight. You know what I mean? Yep, he Either did not way. follow directions or or he couldn't see one or the other. I, I don't know. I, I, I can't believe he can't see Willie Harris, but maybe he had his head down. Maybe. I know that David Ross, after the game, said, look, the guy made a mistake. We're going to let it go. Yeah, he basically, yeah all, we all make mistakes. Everyone's going to make a mistake. And, what uh, you know, four to one, they get the lead. Nico on first, Dansby Swanson walked. You know, he didn't have a lot of hits this uh, this week, but he was walking a ton. And the fun thing is that the two of those guys, Nico and Swanson, executed a double steal and both scored on an Ian Happ single to make it 6-1. to one. In the meantime, after looking shaky, giving up four hits in the first two innings, leaving a lot of pitches up in the zone, Hayden settled down and retired the next 15 batters. It looks like he found his slider there, and it, he just looked a lot better. The Cubs added four more in the eighth after Nico and Dansby hit back-to-back singles with Nico taking third, and Ian Happ hit a sack fly to make it 7-1. to one. Saya singled with two outs, and then Patrick Wisdom delivered again his second of the night, his eighth of the season, to put the Cubs up 10-1, to 1, which would end up being the final score. Hayden went seven innings pitched. He gave up one run on five hits with zero walks and seven Ks. Brandon Hughes finally made his debut in the season and gave up a couple hits but got a strikeout and a double play ball. And Julian Merriweather pitched the ninth. And Dustin, like like we were talking about earlier, the A's lineup is so weak. I think it was great for Hayden because it gives you confidence. You know, you, you didn't start out good, but was able to kind of get in there and not have to worry about anything. And then Brandon Hughes, it's a good team to debut against, not have to worry about anything. And Julian Mayweather struggled a little bit. So, you know, all these pitchers got a little bit of confidence, I think, from this game. Well, it's like a spring training start, right? The, the key number, Crowley, to me, outside of the two, that being Patrick Wisdom, two home runs, was zero, the number of walks issued by Hayden. I think that's super important after coming off of the first couple of starts from him, right? He just he wasn't trusting himself. He was trying too hard. The Cubs staked him to a, a, a decent early lead. He trusted him stuff. He knew who he was going against, and he did not walk anybody. And that's going to be the key from him. Do not get the easy pass to first base. And Thrilled if you remember that that, that, that that last start, he had zero strikeouts, and he had seven in this game. So that was right. great. Right. And then that offense, that offense we were worried about scoring runs. How about 10 of them on 20 hits? Cody Bellinger went five for five. Patrick Wisdom went three for five with two home runs and four RBIs. Ian Happ went two for four with three RBIs. And Seiya Suzuki went three for five with an RBI. So just an unbelievable game. Yeah, I mean, it's really unbelievable, all those crooked numbers for hits, right? Five hits, three hits, two hits, three hits. And you got four guys in the order with five, three, two and three hits. That's pretty darn good. Unbelievable. And then, then you take to game two and this one looked like it should have been an easy walk in the park. The Cubs ace Marcus Stroman was going up against the A's Ken Waldachuk who had an ERA in double digits before the starts. Cubs offense scored 10 nut runs the night before. So you figure they would do it again. Not how it played out. Stroman was as good as he's been all season. He went six innings. He gave up two hits, two walks and five K's to lower his ERA to .75. That's an ace, Dustin. We got our ace. It's an ace. He's looking He's looking the part. There, there is no no doubt about that. I, I, another quality start, so that's wonderful. But the Cubs offense couldn't get him the W. And this is where I've always been a proponent of that wins do matter in baseball. Well, this was the perfect example for a guy who had an unbelievable, really nice outing and didn't get the win. I just hate how he doesn't get credited with win, but gets credited with a quality quality start. Maybe they need to get another stat like quality start plus or platinum quality start or something like that because that's what this was. 
Absolutely. And, and, and like you said, the Cubs could do nothing against Waldachuk, which I was, you know, I, like I said, figuring double digits. He pitched his best game of the season by far. He went five scoreless, gave up five hits, three walks, and five Ks. So pitchers duel, neither of them factored in the decision as it became a battle of the bullpens. All the offense came in the eighth inning. Seiya Suzuki led it off with a walk. Patrick Wisdom and Fuego doubled. And then Cody Bellinger, just out of control, singled to give the Cubs a one nothing lead. Wisdom advanced to third. Jan Gomes drove him in on a ground out to short. That scores Wisdom and moves Bellinger to second. Eric Hosmer grounded out to move Cody Bellinger to third with two outs. And then Nick Madrigal with a, two, a big two-out single to score Belly, and the Cubs were up 3 nothing. Finally, Nico Horner hits a sinking liner to right fielder Connor Kappel, which he totally should have caught. He drops it and kind of spins around, and that allows Magical to score from first, and the Cubs were up 4 nothing, and that's how the ball game would end. So like you said, a platinum win-plus start for Stroman, six innings pitch, <laughs> two hits, no runs, two walks, and five Ks, no decision. Mark Leiter Jr. doing Mark Leiter Jr. things, pitch one scoreless inning with two Ks. He does get the win. So you know what? I'm glad he got the win because he's saved a couple games for the Cubs. And then Fulmer pitched the eighth, and Rucker finished it out in the ninth. On offense, the Cubs scored four runs on eight hits, went three for 11 with runners in scoring position, and left 11 men on base. But say, See, that's a problem, Crowley. That's a problem for me, right? They're playing the ace. You, you know, three for 11 with 11 guys left on base is not going to get it done against teams like the Padres and the Dodgers who are coming to Wrigley next. Yep, yep. And then, you know, unfortunately, that's what you got, you know, with this team, you're going to see that sometimes. And uh, luckily, you know, they were able to, again, playing against a bad team. But, you know, I think for the most part, they were able to kind of drive in plenty of runs this year, this uh, this series. But again, this is this is a, basically a triple A team. Um, you know, like I said, Suzuki, two for two with three walks. Bellinger, Gomes and Magical all drove in a run. So at this point, Crowley, the Cubs have won their fourth series in a row. And as we head into game three, you're thinking uh, you're thinking sweep and you got Justin Steele going. Yep. What we didn't expect is that the A's promoted their top pitching prospect, Mason Miller, from AAA Las Vegas to start Wednesday series finale. The 24-year-old right-hander was dominant. He only had one AAA outing. That was last Friday. He pitched five scoreless innings with 11 strikeouts. He averages 100 miles per hour with his fastball. He only has 11 games of minor league experience. But you know what, Dustin, with the A's rotation performing the way that it is, why not? The A's well, why not start him last night or the next home game? Why do you start him on a on a on a game against the Cubs that started at twelve thirty in the afternoon in Oakland? That, that that's not going to put any rear ends in seats. I think that it just was a matter of trying to get a, a little jolt of energy. This team is spiraling, and I think that you know a lot of times it's when does he come up in the rotation. So again, his turn in the rotation. And so I, th I think that would be the general idea. And sometimes, you, you know, I doubt that there'd be a lot of people anyway in Oakland, but, you know, you, you want to kind of have a kind of, you know, you're already amped up and have a lot of adrenaline. So, you know, maybe not in Oakland, but Miller was as good as advertised right there. Uh, you know, the A's rotation had a major league worst 939 ERA as a staff and tied for third with the most walks in 40. And you saw it this weekend. I mean, this week, I mean, they were just walking everybody. But Miller was really, really good. And in the bottom of the third with one out, Connor Capral doubled, but was caught stealing by Tucker Barnhart. It looked like he beat it, but then he came off the base and Magical kept the tag on. Top of the fourth, Dansby Swanson walked. Wild pitch by Miller. Ian Happ hit a double to score Dansby, and the Cubs are up one nothing. That was Ian's seventh RBI on the road trip. Bottom of the fourth, a little bit of an ump show. Did you see this, Dustin? Uh, Almedes Diaz got hit by a, a foul ball, kind of hit off his hand. He's shaking it off, but the ump's not paying attention. He starts the pitch clock, and while he's kind of shaking his hand off, a pitch clock violation is called on him. He's out. Sure. And it, Mark Kotze was red, red hot, and he gets ejected. Look, I love the pitch clock, but you got to be aware of what's going on. You got to be right. aware of your surroundings. The old common sense, the old common sense, like we had in the Dodgers series, right? When when Bellinger went in and got called for the got called for the delay, right? Same idea, right? You gotta you gotta right. pay attention. You gotta know what's up. There are it cannot be just black and white, cold hard facts. I mean, come on, pay attention a little bit. 
And umpires were told this that, that in those type of situations. I don't know about the, you know, getting the hat tip, but definitely if a guy, you know, b- fouls one off his shin or something, you give him a couple seconds. You don't just start the pitch clock. You know, you again, common sense. So with one out, Jesus Aguilar walked. Shea Landelier grounded into a force out, 3-6-1. But Swanson's throw uh, was a little bit off, and it kind of went across Steele's body, funky. Ends up in the camera well. Langelier ends up at second. He wouldn't stay there long as Carlos Perez would double to tie up the game. Top of the fifth, back-to-back singles by Hosmer and Magical put runners at the corners. Tuck at Barnhart with a sack fly to score Hosmer, and the Cubs were back out in front in 2-1. to one. But the A's answered in their half of the inning. Tyler Wade walked and scored on a ball that Patrick Wisdom should have cut off, and it kind of bounced off his glove and went all the way back to the wall. Wade scored from first to tie the game. Then in the six, here come the Cubs. Dansby and Ian drew back-to-back walks, which is what I was talking about. A wild pitch advanced him to second and third, and Cody Bellinger reached on a fielder's choice as he hit a ball to Jesus Aguilar at first. He went home with the throw. Dansby was off on contact. He scores Everybody's safe. That Cubs now lead three to two. Luis Torrens struck out, but then Patrick Wisdom makes up for that play in the field with a yeah. triple to score. Yes, happened Bellinger. Yes, he did. Then he scores on a wild pitch, and just like that, the Cubs were up six to two. But this is what we're talking about with this Oakland staff. I mean, think about that. Walk, walk, wild pitch, another wild pitch. I mean, just awful. Awful staff. Just an awful staff. I think the I Cubs might put up a cricket number on these guys. Oh God, I staff had I, I bet the I staff I, I Cubs could easily I, I think they could beat them. I really truly do. Like in a series, not one yep. game, in a series. Right. Two out of three. Yep. Eric Hosmer hit his first home run in a Cubs uniform in the eighth to make it seven to two. Ooh. Luis Tur- Ooh. <laughs> Yep. East the Eric Hosmer. Luis Torrens with a bases loaded double in the ninth <laughs> to make it a ten to two Cubs leap. Nick Ad- Magical added two more to make it twelve to two. Nicky so Madrigal with some big uh with some big at bats in this series. I mean, just unbelievable how much they outscored Oakland. Justin Steele, six innings. He gave up uh, one, two runs, one of them earned on four hits, two walks, and five Ks. Keegan pitched two innings and did not give up a hit, a walk. He had one K. And then to close it out, we had uh, – who did we have to close it out? We had – Keegan Thompson, right? Nope, Merriweather. Oh, to so Merriweather came sorry. in. Yeah, Merriweather yep. ended it. Yep. Gave up a hit and two strikeouts. So, uh, you know, great job. Offense, I mean, the pitching staff, you really didn't need them much, right? On offense, the Cubs scored 12 runs on 11 hits, eight walks. Ian Happ was three, or, or Nico Horner was three for five in his hometown. Ian Happ, two for four with an RBI. And get this Dansby Swanson did not have a hit, but he had three walks and, 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 and unbelievable, you know? Yep, and he scored a couple of runs, too. So the Cubs go out to Oakland, get the job done. Good job, Crawley. You called the sweep. I think I said two or three, or maybe I jumped on board with your sweep, but you definitely said sweep or bust. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, this is the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 29. The Cubs outstanding in Oakland. And in this segment, Crowley's talking to Blake Harris of Inside the Ravine podcast for Odyssey Sports. We talked to Blake a couple weeks back, a couple shows back as the Cubs went out to L.A. Now, the enemy, the Dodgers, are coming into Chicago later on this weekend. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast I have Blake Harris from Inside the Ravine podcast who has just come back through from the Ravine where the Dodgers dropped one to the Mets 5-3. 
Yeah, I think that was the score. I left in the eighth inning because I went with my dad and uncle. Last night, I was in the press box for Kershaw's great game. Today, I was in the stands. And uh, when you got to beat out the uh, traffic, you got to leave an hour in advance because it takes about an hour to get out. So we left in the eighth, but things weren't looking great then. And based on uh, the text I was getting from some family members, the results weren't great either. So if you say 5-3 was the result, I'll take your word. I'll take your word for it. Well, Blake, you know, you and I were talking a little bit last time we talked, you know, I think you were, you were pretty excited about things and, and you guys have kind of had a rough go of it. I was shocked because I, I, you know, I, it was weird. I had a feeling that the Cubs were going to win two or three. I called it on our show and it didn't exactly play out like I wanted it to, but do you know, that was the first time that the Cubs took a regular season series from the Dodgers since 2014. Wow. Is that at Dodger stadium or is that just at Dodger stadium? That's, I find, really hard to believe just because in baseball, it's such a fluky <laughs> sport where you can literally be the worst team in baseball, but you can still take any series. So the fact that it's been nine years, that I would have put money that it wasn't 2014. I would have said like 2019 at the absolute latest. You know, I don't know what it is, but the Cubs West Coast trips are always a disaster. And we always look at them in our schedule and we just go, oh, God. And it's always in the beginning of the year. And it always is just like a bad start. It's always like a one and five or a two and four. You're coming back and it's just no good, man. So so to go out to to L.A. and take two or three, you know, as a fan, you know, you kind of just say that's what I think is going to happen. But like you're like, man, these are the Dodgers. And, and somehow the Cubs were able to do it. The crazy thing is that should have been a sweep. Uh, the Cubs should have done like that. They outplayed the Dodgers for three games, and then, you know, in the ninth inning on Saturday, they just get a couple hits, and it all comes down to David Peralta with went out to spare, and he gets one of his, like, six hits he's currently had with the Dodgers. So, yeah, I mean, the Cubs, for the most part, they were fantastic. I mean, the pitching was lights out, you know, essentially all three days. Anytime that you're having to voice your frustrations about Drew Smiley shutting you down, uh, that is not a great thing if you're a Dodgers fan. If you're a Cubs fan, that's fantastic. But yeah, that that was quite the series from the Cubs. And it looks like uh, all it took was Cody Bellinger going back to Dodger Stadium to uh, regain his MVP ways from what now, he's done the past week. Were you able to go in any of the Cubs-Dodgers games? I, let's see, I can't even remember. I was there, I think, Sunday, just Sunday. I missed Friday. I missed Saturday for like the two main games. I was there on Sunday, though. Because, you know, I, I was laughing when, when uh, Bellinger robs Hayward of a home run and yeah. it seemed like the crowd was giving it, but it seemed like good natured. Yeah, everyone was kind of, I guess the fans that didn't really, like, it was good, like like you said, good natured. I think it was more of a sarcastic kind of boo. Everyone was kind of egging him on. My personal favorite was when he would just start catching routine fly balls and everyone started booing him. But yeah, it was just a bunch of Dodgers fans that were just wanting to give him a hard time. I'm sure there was maybe like 5% in there. There were actual fans that were just truly upset of Bellinger doing what he was doing. But yeah, I, there were a lot of Dodger fans that weren't too upset over the home run robbery of Jason Hayward. Now, if it was maybe like a Mookie Betts or Freddie Freeman, maybe a little more. But yeah, I, I don't think we were too upset over that play. Now, you guys got to see our big lefty, Justin Steele. And yeah. and and he really, really is just... I. I the quality, he'll always give you a quality start. The guy is, is, is tough, but Noah Syndergaard pitched well that game. Yeah. With steel, I, and a lot of my fantasy baseball drafts this year, I picked him up everywhere I could because I knew he would be an under the radar kind of pitcher. And going into that start, I was kind of like on the fence because I had him in all my starting lineups. And I'm like, man, I want him to do really well, but I also, you know, want the Dodgers to do something. And Steele, he was fantastic. I mean, he's as good as advertised. The Dodgers, they were talking him up on the broadcast about how good he is. Oral, Oral Hershiser especially was gushing about the potential with him because they were talking about, you know, the second half of his year last year and just how dominant he was. But yeah, Noah Syndergaard, which is like, he had kind of like a bad start against the Cubs, but yet he kind of like dominated the Cubs. I think he had like a season high nine strikeouts. It's like the most he's had in a game in four years. So yeah, the Cubs were hitting him well, but I guess they weren't. So that that was an interesting pitching matchup that really was a solid, you know, game on both ends for that Friday night, especially, you know, the first eight innings until things just went off the rail in the eighth inning when, uh, batting practice was taking place for the Cubs. Well, I was going to ask you, I, I mean, I don't know much about Andre Jackson. Is, is, is it when he comes in, is there a collective groan or is he usually pretty solid? 
so that's the weird thing with Andre Jackson. Like prior to that start, like if you look at his career numbers, granted, I think he only had maybe 15 or 20 career appearances. His ERA in his career was like right around two, two and a half. But his role with the Dodgers has been essentially mop up duty. If the Dodgers have a seven run lead, he comes in for the final three innings. If they're down by seven, he comes in for the final three innings. So seeing him come into the game in a one run game in the eighth inning, considering the Dodgers just had an off day, uh, had a lot of Dodgers fans perplexed as to why Dave Roberts made the decision. But at that point, everyone pretty much just agreed the bullpen has been so horrendous. Maybe he's just trying to see what he's got. But yeah, Andre Jackson isn't a guy that's pitched in many high leverage situations, if any, at this point in his career. So Dodgers fans were kind of shocked to see him come out. And I think they were even more shocked to see him struggle the way he did. Because like I mentioned, small sample size in his career, but he'd been really good up until that point. I got to ask you, Blake, how was it? I can tell you over here what the reaction was like, but Cody Bellinger gets appreciation, some love from the fans, and Jim Wolf gives him a strike. Was that kind of the talk over there too or no? Yeah, everyone was like, what What exactly are we doing? Like, I don't think any Dodger fan was happy that he started behind in the count 0-1. Like, we've seen it so far this year. I think Andrew McCutcheon, he was given a lot of time. And I think since this incident happened, they've come out and they've like said, we've told umpires, like, given cir- certain situations – certain circumstances do not call a violation let a guy get his ovation and like especially it'd be one thing if it was like a rookie umpire but Jim Wolf is like <laughs> a pretty lengthy veteran like he's been around like he should have read the room it was uh sad like every Dodger fan was upset over it so uh yeah Jim Wolf what are we doing here like come on let Cody Bellinger have his moment now I'm gonna be going to the game tomorrow night and it's Jamison Tyone against Michael Grove and both you and I talked about that if there was one yeah. for sure that you could mark the Cubs down for winning, it was going to be that one. And instead we ended up having a pitcher's duel. What, what, I mean, man, you know, I don't know what was going on with the Cubs, but they just could not touch Grove. Yeah. I was going to say the one game I guaranteed they would win, which they did still win, but it wasn't because they were, you know, lighting up Michael Grove. I, you know, I don't have his numbers in front of me, but I think it was something like, five and two thirds innings or something like that. I think he only allowed maybe one run, which I think was like a home run. But like you said, the Cubs, they couldn't touch him. Now, the weird thing is before that start, Dave Roberts came out and said, yeah, Michael Grove is finally healthy. And everyone was kind of like, well, what do you mean he's finally healthy? He's made two starts. And he's like, yeah, he's been kind of dealing with strep throat the last couple of weeks. And everyone was like, okay, like that's the reason that he's been so bad. But Maybe that's the reason. Maybe Michael Grove just was bad because he had strep throat, and now that he's healthy, he just shoves. But, yeah, that was another pitching duel. Um, Two great pitchers that looked solid that day, and, yeah, I was blown away to see Michael Grove look as good as he did against the Cubs hitters on Sunday. Uh, That was Saturday. Saturday. 5.2 innings. He gave up two hits, and one of them was a solo home run by Patrick Wisdom, who— has just gone off this last week. He's oh, just that's gone. right. I that That's my bad. I got the games mixed up. I was thinking he was Sunday. Julio was Sunday. So that yeah. means, yeah, the Dodgers won his start. Yeah. For some reason, I was convinced that Grove was Sunday when I was there. Because I remember it. I even think. I was like, man, I got to see this Michael Grove performance in person. How awesome. That just goes to show what, what the days are like over here and what the games are like in Dodgers land. You can't even remember a Julio Urias start. And I can tell you, too, the one thing that shocked me about this series is that I felt that the Cubs did an excellent job with Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, yeah. and even to a degree Max Muncie, but we struggled with guys like Altman and Vargas. Yeah, I mean, I think, I remember, I think on Sunday, I, I did a tweet where, like, Mookie Betts was in the middle of, like, a two-for-18 stretch. I think he had maybe, like, one hit in the series up until that point. Now, on Sunday, he just got extremely lucky. You know, he had, like, three hits that were all balls that should have been outs and Freddie Freeman as well like you said the Cubs really kept him in check he didn't really do much damage and it was the guys like you said Outman Vargas obviously they contributed to that win on Saturday night those were the guys that for some reason the Cubs couldn't hold but I mean I I guess if you can get Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman out you'll live with you know some rookies getting results but yeah the, the like I said at the beginning the Cubs pitching in that three-game stretch the starters and the bullpen Everyone, aside from that one ninth inning on Saturday in which they allowed the Dodgers to win the game, they were pretty much untouchable in regards to the Dodgers hitters. Right. That's been the thing is the, the starting pitching for the Cub has been has been outstanding. One, you know, the one guy that's really struggled is uh, Hayden Wisniewski, and he kind of came up from the minors last year. He did good against Oakland, but that's not really... I don't know if you toot your horn too much about that, but he he, <laughs> yeah. he was actually really good in September last year. 
and he's kind of struggled a little bit out of the, and he's really good in spring training too. So good, good in uh, August, September, good in spring training. Some of the nastiest stuff you see in just a wicked slider. And then all of a sudden to start the season, he just, just kind of flopped out of the gate. So we're hoping that the start in Oakland kind of gives him a little confidence. His slider looked a little bit better there. So, you know, nothing like playing Oakland to get your confidence up, right? Yeah, uh, I think they have three wins at the moment. So <laughs> at this rate, maybe by the time the Dodgers play them, they'll still be at three wins. So yeah, I, a nice little tune-up series. You know, get guys back on their feet, send them to Oakland for three games. Right, and and, and that last game of the series is going to be game two on Friday. It's going to be a rematch of Drew Smiley and Julio Urias. Drew Smiley is one of those guys that's just really a sneaky grinder, veteran grinder that just can kind of – he can really, like I said, if he stays healthy, he had some injury issues with us last year, but this year, you know, he's, you know, we had a really strong second half and hoping that, you know, a smiley, we, we re-signed him to a one-year deal. Um, but, you know, it felt to me like, like Julio Urias really got rattled on that error and, and, and that inning in the fifth really kind of threw him off. Yeah. He, he was cruising up until that point, And like you said, the air, I think that's what led to the first run of the game or something like that. And then the inning later, I mean, the Dodgers, I mean, everyone knows how cautious they are with Julio. The fact that, you know, he threw 100 pitches, the second most he's ever thrown in his career, and we saw what happened when he gets above 90 pitches. The Cubs were just teeing off against him, but like you said, it all kind of started with that error. The Dodgers probably get out of the inning, and he probably gets out of the inning without allowing a run, and like you said, it kind of just rattled from there. But through the first five innings, I mean, it was looking like it was going to be another one of those Julio starts where he goes six innings, probably doesn't allow a run, maybe allows one at the most. And then, yeah, that that Cody, because now that we're talking Sunday, now that I have my games all, you know, back in place, that Cody Bellinger home run that he hits, huh. I mean, that, that I, I was at game, so many games in the press box in 2019 during his MVP run, and that home run, the sound off the bat, and just seeing how far it went, that brought me back to seeing all those homers that Cody hit kind of in the same spot back in 2019. And I'm like, man, the fact that he won, hit one, off of a lefty and two hit it off of Julio. I mean, I was like, man, that Cody must be seeing something well, or Julio must be really off because that is a matchup. I think you could have put a lot of money on not happening. Uh, that results in that series. Well, what's going to be interesting is in game three, which is going to be on Saturday, that's going to be, these two guys did not face each other so far. Um, when it comes to the last series that the Cubs and the Dodgers faced, that's Hayden Wisniewski. I talked to him a little, a little bit. Like I said, he came up last year, and we got him for a trade with uh, Scott Efros, uh, reliever. And so that was a trade I think with the Yankees on that one. And Hayden really just kind of was just was electric. I was at his first start. He kind of piggybacked Wade Miley and and absolutely just dominated and just had a really good, like I said, August and September. Um, but but out of the gate struggling. So um, we're all kind of curious to see, you know, what can he do against a Dodger lineup? But it seems like you guys are even more banged up now. We don't have to deal with Miguel Rojas, right? Yeah, you guys are probably going to be facing the Dodgers fifth string shortstop at this rate. I mean, Miguel Rojas and Chris Taylor. Uh, Chris Taylor actually was everyone expected to go on the IL and he ended up being okay. And Miguel Rojas ends up getting hurt last night. They called up Luke Williams, who was the fourth stringer. And today they called up Yoni Hernandez, who was officially the fifth stringer. You might have backup catcher Austin wins in there because it sounds like Will Smith still isn't going to uh, be out of his concussion IL stint. Dave Roberts said for sure he won't be activated Thursday. And he said pretty much the idea is he's actually not going to play at all in the Cubs series. He might be able to return on Sunday, but they're being extra cautious with him with his concussion. So you're going to be seeing guys like Luke Williams, Austin wins, Yoni Hernandez, uh, being at the game today and seeing that lineup in person. If the Cubs can score more than four runs, maybe even three, I mean, hell, they did that against the Dodgers. It only took two runs to win those games. But, yeah, the Dodgers' offense is really hurt right now, and there are some guys that you might have to double-check and say, is this a major leaguer? I've never heard of him. Huh. It looks like they've they've changed the probables now on us because on Saturday, I, earlier I was looking at a different matchup. Now I'm seeing it looks like Kershaw on Saturday against Wesniski on, on Saturday. So that looks a little different than what I had earlier. Interesting. Well, you're getting Kershaw at the wrong time because he's rolling. But every other pitcher, you're getting them at the right time. So th that's that's the thing that you're looking at right now is what is that 200th win for Kershaw, and that that looked like vintage Kershaw to me, man. 
Yeah, seeing that in person last night, doing having him do it against the Mets, I mean, had it not been for, I think he had like a 13-pitch at bat in that seventh inning, had it not been for that, he would have gone out there for an, an eighth inning. And yeah, it was one of those Kershaw performances where you go, yeah, this guy still is somehow the most underrated starting pitcher in all of Major League Baseball, which seems hard to believe considering he's been the best left-handed pitcher the last 16 years. Yeah, the Dodgers have not faced... Hayden Wisniewski. So nobody's seen him. Nobody's had at bats. And then against Kershaw, obviously, you know, uh, when you look at sample sizes, uh, Eric Hosmer, 38 at bats, bats 316 against him. And then you also have Dansby Swanson, 11 at bats, 273. So it'll be interesting. And uh, what'd you guys think of Nico Horner leading off? Told you he's a pesky little guy. Yeah, I th- I think when we talked last, I think I talked about him being a guy that I was really high on that I was excited to see. And yeah, the fact that I think he currently leads Major League Baseball in stolen bases, like every time the dude got a base, it's like every single person in the stadium and watching on TV knew that he was going to be stealing a base, except for whoever was playing catcher for the Dodgers, because I was like, maybe do a pitch out or maybe do something to try to get an advantage. And just like, no, just gets on. Steals the base. I think there was one time he stole second and then stole third, and it like wasn't even close. But yeah, if he keeps this up and stays healthy, he is going to steal at least sixty bases this season, maybe seventy at this rate, because the dude is an absolute menace on the bases, and he's the kind of player that I really wish the Dodgers had. I really wish they had a guy like him because they could use him. Yeah, and then and so when we take a look at the finale, Derek May versus Stroman. Cubs haven't seen Derek May that much, except for Eric Hosmer, obviously, all those years in uh, San Diego. He's seen him 10 times and hits 400. But other than that, nobody has more than two at-bats. So it's really going to – and and on the other side, you guys are catching Marcus Stroman. So I was really hoping for that Stroman versus Kershaw start. But yeah, it is what it is. So, you know, when I'm looking here at, at Stroman, it seems like he pitches really well against your lineup here. He uh, – 10 at-bats, Freddie Freeman's only batting 100 you know, when, uh, you know, just kind of looking through here, where is Jason Hayward, 167, J.D. Martinez, 143. So Stroman, we, we signed him last year. The Cubs signed him uh, to a three-year deal. There's an opt-out at the end of this year. But he really, for some reason, sometimes free agents struggle when they come to Chicago that very first year, especially the first half. And he kind of got off to a weird start. He didn't like the lockout. It, it bothered him. And, and he was kind of off and he was injured. And he had a uh, COVID protocol, but then all of a sudden he, he got healthy. And he, again, like everybody else had a really strong second half for the Cubs. Yeah. And so he's out here really just every start. The only he's God, he trying to think, I think he lost one game that really he had, he's probably been one of the guys that has had the least amount of run support for the Cubs. Everybody else has gotten a fair amount of run support. He didn't even get the win against Oakland because it was tied going into like the the sixth or seventh inning and Cubs scored four runs in the eighth or something. So you're going to have to look out for Strowman because that guy is really on fire right now. And I think at the, at the moment, doesn't he lead like the majors or at least the National League in ERA? I, yeah, I think 0. .75 like or something. Yeah, he's been unreal so far. And I was, I was glad the Dodgers avoided him the first turn. But in a four-game series, I was like, yeah, they're probably going to have to get him at some point. But he's been great. You and I were talking though. This is this this is. I'm kind of irritated. I don't know who makes these schedules, but especially yeah. with this thirty, all thirty teams playing each other, and you're you're thinking about the Dodgers, and it's like, I don't like the idea of us playing you guys after one week. You know what I mean? I yeah. kind of like, especially when you're talking about like a team that you're only going to see twice. I think it's cooler to do it once at the beginning and once at the end, if at all possible, right? I've like, I've always I've always hated that whenever. There's something in the schedule where you play one team and then you play them, you know, a week later. Even if it's like a team in your own division. I mean, hell, to start the season, I think the Dodgers played the D-backs like 10 times and they're only going to play them once more like the rest of the season. So, yeah, especially with a team like the Cubs, you want to play them like in April and then play them again in August or September. You don't want to, you know, get your two matchups with the Cubs done, you know, within the first few weeks of the season. And even like with this series with, with the New York Mets, with it, with a team like the Mets, when they're such a good opponent, it's not as exciting when you're playing them two weeks into the season and both teams are eight and eight. You know, I think last season when the Mets came to town, it was like deep into the season. You know, both teams were the best teams in the National League, and there was a lot of hype surrounding that series. Whereas this year it was like, hey, the Mets are coming to town. So I don't. When it comes to the schedule, I get that they just probably put it into a computer and it just generates everything. But with certain matchups, you kind of hope 
for different timing. And again, with the Cubs, like I said, we played them last week. Save it for a couple months down the line, because now all of a sudden you get them both, you know, in the first month, and that's it. No, no uh, Dodgers Cubs the rest of the way. And, and and when you think about it, a lot of times teams can change, you know, from the first half to the second half, right? Yeah. And so, like, let's take a look. The Cubs are playing the Dodgers twice in basically about a week. And so we're catching you guys at the right time when everybody's banged up. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and so, you know, I was I, – trust me, to, to take two or three from the Dodgers on the West Coast, I was super excited. And now let's see what happens here in Chicago. For, I, I hate four-game series. I don't know where you stand on them. I think they're the worst. Yeah, I, I I like a good old three-game series. I will say, though, I do prefer a four over a two. I Two-game series, those should be outlawed. I think they should get rid of them. Four games – because four-game series are just so tough. I mean, you're in one location for – I guess – if, if it's at home, I don't necessarily mind it all that much. I just say when you're on the road and you do four, then you got to go somewhere for three more than maybe you go somewhere else to add on. Just Friday, Saturday, Sunday it, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday it, do something. But again, I, the schedule, they just put it into a computer and say, this is what works. <laughs> well, not, and you know, the one thing that everybody was kind of pretty sure about was that the NL West was going to be the toughest division. Kind of seems right now that yeah. that that it's. I, I was looking at this, and I was when I was looking at this, you know, when I was looking at it, and I'm like, wait a second here, like the Dodgers, San Diego, and San Francisco are all under 500, which I, I thought I found very surprising. Yeah, the NL West, which again I I thought was going to be an insane division. Like, I mean, it still very well could be that. Like, I but I came in, coming into the season, I was thinking Dodgers Padres are going to be battling for 95 to 100 wins. The D-backs are going to be a pesky team that are going to be fighting for a wild card spot. The Giants, I think they're going to be a team that can hang around 500 and fight for a wild card spot. And as of right now, I think the D-backs are the only team that are even above 500 and they might be only two or three games above 500. So the NL West has been bad so far to start the season. What do you attribute that to? Just injuries, just kind of a slow start. I'm just trying to figure it out. I don't. I don't even know because I know the Padres. Like I, I talk about the Dodgers' offense being bad from afar. Apparently, the Padres have been even worse than the Dodgers. So, I, I don't know because at least for the Dodgers, like they've all these games they're losing. They're losing by one run. They're losing by two runs. So they're hanging in there. Maybe injuries. I think it's just been a bunch of guys just not really doing all that well. I mean. Freddie Freeman's been really the only player, and I guess Max Muncy, as of the last week, have been the only players that have been really hitting for the Dodgers. Everyone else, the I, I would advise against this, but if I were you, I would stay clear of seeing who the Dodgers' five through nine hitters were today, because five through nine all were hitting under two hundred. So that just goes those, to those show were, you. Those were the guys that gave us trouble last time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go that's figure, what I'm worried right? about. Right. And, and, so and I, I can just tell knows? you in the NL Central. Milwaukee's at 14 at five. So think about this. We're on a four game winning streak and we gained zero ground. So I'm blown away by that too with Milwaukee. Like I, again, it's been a few weeks, but I I did not anticipate this at all from them. Well, not only that, they lost one of their best pitchers in Brandon Woodruff. And and, and seriously, do me a favor. I I mean, you know, I know you play fantasy baseball and all that stuff, but take a look at that lineup. You know, you want to talk about guys that, that are underwhelming as far as what they hit. It's like, where do these guys get offense from and how I'm like, right. okay, it just makes no sense. Somehow, somehow they're, they're, they're still up there. And then we're watching the Cardinals at eight and 11. And you know, that's kind of shocking too, to see them get off to such a bad start. Cause they never do that. Yeah. Honestly, the Cardinals like entering this season, the Cardinals were the team I was kind of worried about the most for the Dodgers, because I think one through nine, when that lineup is healthy, they probably have the best one through nine in all of baseball. I know their pitching kind of has some issues, but I was like, yeah, this Cardinals offense is going to be unstoppable. And like you said, eight and 11 to start the year, like every team that was expected to be good in baseball this year has been bad. The one thing I warned people about though, is, is Wilson Contreras having to step in for Yadier Molina and, and just knowing Wilson now I've heard his defense has improved his pitch framing has improved, but that was always kind of more of an issue, more of an offensive catcher than a guy that could handle a staff really well. And so I just know how much stock that St. Louis put into that. And I'm like, this, you know, Wilson is not Yachty behind the plate, and, you know, and I'm not a big, like, I don't think Yachty's a first ballot hall of famer walk on water. Like the Cardinals fans do. I know he was good. <laughs> I know he was good, good, good framer, good, good, good right. at calling games, good at handling his staff, 
And that staff is a little bit old and injured. And, and, yeah. and I don't know if Wilson's the type of guy that can kind of get them through that. So very curious to see how the rest of the season plays out. But like you said, bum that Cubs Dodgers ends in April and nothing to look forward to, you know? Right. Like, come on, MLB schedule people. Like, no one likes this. No, no one likes this. <laughs> schedule, like, balance it. Bring balance. Even, well, even May. Put, put it in May. Give us like a month off where we can, you know, at least give some room. But like literally within one week, like I told my dad today, he's like, yeah, so who did the Dodgers got this week? And I was like, the Cubs. <laughs> he was like, what do you mean the Cubs? Didn't they just play the Cubs? And I'm like, yes, they did. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, we'll get it done and we'll see what happens. And, and I know you're hoping for the Dodgers to surprise, you know, the Cubs and get back at them. Yeah. I always think on these four games, I always think splits are pretty much how they usually go. Yeah, I mean, it, a split, like, you'll t- which is, like, the weird thing. It's like, man, you win two games in a series, but, like, you split, and it's like, do you really want to be split in series because the whole purpose is to win series? But it's like, I, I guess splitting a series is good, but it's it's tough because, I don't know, I just you don't feel great. I mean, I guess it, given the circumstance and, like, where each team is at, but it's like you split a series, and you're like, well, that's not what really what wanted. So it's like you got to kind of win three out of four for it to be a good series, but... We'll see. I'm excited. I'm hoping this one, at least, we get some sort of offense outside of that eighth and ninth inning on Friday night. Give give us something. Give us some sort of offense and not, don't have every game be a pitching duel. <laughs> All right, Blake. You take care. Have a good one. I appreciate you, my man. Crowley, great job previewing the Dodgers coming to town. This is the Fly the W670 podcast. Cubs outstanding in Oakland. It's season two. It's episode 29. Don't forget, listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Crowley, let's take a look at the standings after the Cubs swept the Oakland A's. You would think, Dustin, that, hey, we swept the A's. Everything's great. We took, uh, what, five or six games in the West Coast swing, and we should be in first place? No, the Milwaukee Brewers. I don't know how they do it, Dustin. I'm telling you, I still truly think that Craig Council is the best manager in the NL Central. He's got that team. Go look at their lineup. Go look at their lineup. Look at their averages. I know that's not everything. But, you know, they have an injury to Woodruff, but somehow Milwaukee's 14-5, and 7-3 and three in the last 10, the exact same as the Cubs in their last 10, 7-3. and three. So the Cubs have not gained any ground. They're at 11-6 and six in second place followed by Pittsburgh, St. Louis, and Cincinnati. St. Louis 8-11, and 11, so kind of watch that because uh, just kind of surprising to see how that, that kind of start that they're getting out to, you know? Yeah, they're heating up a little bit. They won a couple games, I believe, in a row, have the Pirates. All right, little uh, injury report news, some good news about uh, Kyle Hendricks. Yeah, he's now on a five-day plan, kind of, you know, just like a regular starter would. He has a bullpen game tomorrow, three innings, and an extended spring training game on Saturday. So there, he's getting ramped up. Cody Hewer will throw live BP today. This is, you know, everyone always said that that, you know, Craig Kimbrell trade was a bust because maybe Nick Magical had a bad season. Cody Hewer was always the guy I was looking at that, and I cannot wait until um, I see him pitching for the Cubs. It's going to be great. Be a nice uh, addition to that bullpen, there's no doubt. And it's a pretty good bullpen as is. Already, what, right. Right. What you want is swing and miss stuff. You don't want guys that pitch to contact. And any guy that you can have that misses bats in a bullpen is, is a guy that you want. Uh, Nelson Melasquez and Miles Mastroboni were added to the I-Cubs roster. Uh, remember, I was telling you that they were keeping Nelson around for a little bit in case Cody, um, Cody Bellinger's wife is due at any moment. But you have to report within 72 hours. So they kept him for about 48 hours and then he had to report to Iowa. So Nelson Velasquez back with Iowa as along with Miles Masterboni. All right, so I don't need to hear his name again, Miles Masterboni. It's a, a break glass in case of emergency on that one. Let's talk a little uh news and notes. Joe Madden was on the Scores Afternoon show on Monday and really had a uh, a comment Crowley that stuck out to me. Um, I don't know, you know, we may take this out of context a little bit, not necessarily sour grapes, but something that I had always predicted. There, there is definitely, was definitely, I think there probably still is, there was some bad blood going on between uh, Theo Jed Combo and uh, Joe Madden on his way out the door. Well, let's hear what Joe had to say about, um, you know, they were, the, 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 they were talking about the extensions for, 
Ian Nico, Happ and yep. Nico Horner, right? Yep. Uh, you remember the big, you know, the big, uh, what was being tagged on the Cubs was that they can't extend their own guys. Well, they extended two of them. And so Joe was asked, and here was Joe's reply. I'm interested how you took the Cubs' recent signings of both Nico Horner and Ian Happ to those three-year extensions. We went through all this drama leading up to the trade deadline last year. What are they going to do? Are they going to let him test free agency? When you kind of had to twist in the wind when it came to the futures of so many of your star players, do you draw any conclusions from what the Cubs are doing? Honestly, I do not. I'm just happy for Ian. I'm happy for Nico. I like both those guys. Um, those those are their uh, centerpieces right now. Uh, they know what they have in the minor leagues. They know what's going to be available through free agent in the near future. They know what their parameters are, economically speaking. So that's that's their call on that. But I never lament that. I just, yeah, we should have stayed together longer. There's no question. We had, we had a lot more chicken left on the bone. We did, but not given the opportunity. I'll say that because it's true. But what's going on right now, man, I'm just happy for Nico and I'm happy for Ian. And again, this is the present-day Cubs. This isn't the several years ago Cubs. This is, uh, you can't revisit that. It's over. So they got to do what they think is right right now. And these are really good players and are good dudes, too. Well, you definitely can revisit it, with all due respect, Joe. That That's why podcasts exist. That's why Sports Talk Radio exists. It's so that you can revisit things. Uh, a lot more chicken on that bone. Hmm. Based on how these guys have played since they got out of town, right now it looks like Jed and Theo made the right moves because none of them, none of them right now, this year especially, are playing up to what those contracts would have been and they'd still be here with the Cubs. Yeah, you saw Javi Baez the other day got benched. Got benched! He forgot how many many outs there were. Um, You know... I think Chris Bryant hit his first home run in Colorado. First the other home day. run, first home run is a Rocky. First home so, run is a Rocky. It's it's you're, kind of, you're 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 looking at this and you're saying to yourself, you know, I love Joe Madden. I think Joe Madden is really an interesting character. I think he he was great for the Cubs. I don't think any other manager gets them to win the World Series. Oh, but, I got nothing bad to say about him. No, nope, but I think I, he I, felt like he was being he was being micromanaged by the guys up top. I absolutely think that, especially at the end, and it's in his book, I, The Book of Joe, which is a great book with Tom Verducci, if you had a chance to read it yet. Um, there's there's no doubt that I, I think what bothers him more than anything is everybody pretty much was going to be done at 2020. We know uh, Bryant, Javi, Rizzo, everyone's contract was coming up in 2020. I think it really chips Joe that he didn't get to finish it up. He, I think he felt that if you aren't going to re- extend any of us, it let us finish up what we want to do. And that Joe did not get that opportunity. He was let go after the 2019 season. As far as more chicken on the bone, I, I, I just, I, I, I don't, I didn't see it. it, it I mean, was, maybe it, if Joe, maybe to your point, maybe if Joe's frying the chicken, okay. Maybe if Joe's frying the chicken, but otherwise, I I don't I didn't see it either. No, you you saw that the, the team was very streaky. They didn't have guys that could get on base after they lost Ben Zobrist was a real catalyst for them. Uh, there's there's other guys that were catalysts as well. And and when all of a sudden these guys were getting those bad streaks, you'd get those long losing streaks. Uh, you know they they made it to the NLCS in 15, 16, 17, won it in 16. But then all of a sudden you took a look in 2018, they had the best record and then Milwaukee caught them and then they lost in the wild card. And then in 2019, they, they just were awful, especially on the road. And so, you know, he, they, they let Joe go and, and I was sad to see it, but no, I don't think there was any more chicken left on that bone. I would have loved to have had one more, you know, meal of that chicken, but I, it just wasn't there. What do you think, Crowley, real quick, and then we'll move on to the next thing. Do you think Joe Madden finds his way into a dugout again, or do you think it's it's all done for him? I think it's all done for him. Um, okay. may, I just, uh, you know, I think that the he way He wants that, to be back. He, he wants another shot. Yeah, you know, and no doubt about that. But, you know, based on what was in the book, it, you know, I, I just don't see a lot of uh, front offices, the way that front offices are constructed now, wanting a guy like Joe in there that, that – you know, the guy, the front offices want more control and Joe wants them to have less. So you're kind of just setting yourself up there. I don't think it would really work out. All right. So Crowley, the Cubs have uh, won four series in a row. They just swept the A's. We called this episode Cubs outstanding in Oakland. As we reviewed the three games, the three W's uh, for the Cubs, 
Uh, I never heard Trey Mancini's name mentioned once through all of that, good or bad. And I did not hear Eric Hosmer until the last um, segment, the third game, the sweep, where he hit his first home run as a Cub. Yeah. Because of the fact that the Cubs are winning, we're kind of forgetting. I think people are forgetting. They are really underperforming right now at first base. Like, I bet if we really dug into the numbers, like last year's first base right now might be better than the combined first base of the Cubs at this moment. And Matt Mervis has been doing a nice job down in Iowa. Do you think one of these guys gets like a little hamstring, gets a little contusion to a knee, gets a little shoulder something something, and we see Matt Mervis called up, or is it too early and they're winning, so let's see what happens. I, I People aren't going to like my answer, but I think it's too early and they're winning, so they're going to see what happens. Trey Mancini signed a two-year, $14 million contract in the offseason. He's had 56 at-bats, 11 hits, one home run, nine RBIs, and 18 strikeouts. So he is slashing 196, 220, 250. No doubt that that Trey is struggling. He's 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 admitted as much and said his teammates were there for him. And you know what, Dustin? Sometimes that happens. Guys just come out of the gate bad. I mean, we don't. No one makes rat. You shouldn't make rash decisions within three weeks. Remember, we all want how many people wanted to get rid of Drew Smiley, right? right. And all of a sudden, he settled down. He's fine now. Trey Mancini over one sixty two is going to be a good hitter, an average first baseman. He's not going to be a superstar. He's not going to be, he's also not going to be batting 196 come August or September. Um, Eric Hosmer, he's getting paid the league minimum by the Cubs. He's getting paid $720,000. San Diego is still paying off that big contract, but in 47 at-bats, he's had 11 hits, no home runs, nine RBIs, four walks, and slashing 234, 294, 277. Like you were talking about, Dustin, there's no pop coming from first. You got no slug. Nothing. 250 for Mancini and 277 from Hosmer. And then you do take a look at what Matt Mervis is doing in Iowa. In 41 at-bats, he has 12 hits, three doubles, three home runs. He's slashing 293, 456, 585, which is exactly what you want to see from a first baseman. He's more patient. Um, I think, personally, he they're going to wait till it warms up a little bit. Unfortunately, it's really stunky. I'm talking weather-wise. But the weather has stunk. Iowa's last five games, they haven't played in five days. So yeah, it's been they, terrible. Yeah. They're playing today, but I, I really – so the Cubs made a really sneaky good hire this year. They hired back John Maley. He was their hitting coach in the 2015-16-17 run. And he is considered one of the great minds when it comes to hitting. Very well respected throughout the league. He was at the with at the Angels with Joe Madden, and when Joe got let go at the end of the season, uh, Maley was let go. Obviously, you know you got a coach who wants to get his own guys in there, but I think that John Maley's really going to do a great job with those young guys, whether it's Morrell, Mervis, Brennan Davis, go down the list. But but I think he's going to be a, a huge asset to this organization. And so it's it's okay right now. But if all of a sudden Matt Mervis keeps ripping it up, I, I, I'm I'm kind of tentatively circling the first week of May when I expect Matt Mervis to be up. Ooh, and that would be, wow. Okay. Well that, 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 that would be fine with me, but that that's to me, that's right around the corner. Like that it that's, is. that's two weeks at the most. That's right. That's right around the corner. Now, real quick, do you think that you would, without looking ahead at the schedule, but you may know it off the top of your head because that's how you are, is do you, I mean, for selfishly, you'd want him to open up at Wrigley, but do you think they open him up at Wrigley, open up on the road because of some of the unforeseen pressure? What do you think? What's the smart move there? They, they, in the past, Jed and Theo have, have opened, usually had guys start on the road, unless right. obviously something comes up. So that but would Jed's probably not, be... You know, Jed's here, Theo's, Theo's not, and, you know, wonder what Carter Hawkins thinks about that. What would they do in Cleveland? Right. But I would say more than anything, I, I could see him starting on the road, but, but you know, we'll see what happens and, and who knows if Mancini gets hot, but it would be nice to have really, you know, another big bat in the DH spot. So whoever's playing first or not, you know, you open up May against the nationals and that we've talked about how difficult April was the Nationals is like the is like Oakland. It's like a little bit of a breathing room to kind of just collect yourself. That would not be the worst place to start Matt Mervis. All right. 
let's now, Crowley, take a look. The uh, Cubs are getting ready to get on air rickets and head back uh, to Chicago, and they bring the uh, Dodgers into town. Big four-game series coming up at Wrigley Field. How many of the uh, how many of the four is Crowley going to get to? <laughs> I think I'm just going to one. I'm thinking I'm going Thursday night, the opener. So Okay, tomorrow night. Okay. Yeah, the Dodgers finished up a rough homestand against the Cubs and the Mets. They dropped two of three to both of those teams, including a five to three loss today. The Dodgers are nine and ten, good for second place in the NL West, four and six in their last ten games. While the Cubs come back as conquering heroes, winning five out of six against the Dodgers and the A's. So as we talked about, they're eleven and six, they're eight and two in their last ten, and a four game winning streak going. So let's keep it going, right? Let's keep it going. So when we look at the pitching probables for game one, it's a rematch of Saturday night's game in Los Angeles, Jamison Tyone and Michael Grove. We thought the Cubs would do well against Grove. That wasn't the case. They don't have a lot of experience against them. Now they've seen them. So hopefully they can do a little bit better. Jamison Tyone had his best start of the season going five innings pitch, giving up two hits, zero runs, two walks and seven Ks. He struggled through the first two innings, but if you remember, Cody Bellinger robbed Jason Hayward of a home run, and then Tyone yes, settled did. down and looked really, really good. And then after giving up nine runs in his previous start against Arizona, Michael Grove shut the Cubs down going 5.2 innings. He gave up only two hits on one run. That was a home run to Patrick Wisdom with two walks and six Ks. So I'm really hoping that the offense does much, much better against Michael Grove. Game two sees Drew Smiley, one and one of 470 ERA versus Julio Urias, three and one with a 190 ERA. And that's a rematch you of love, Sunday's You game. love saying his name. You love oh, saying yeah. That's you a fun roll, one. You love rolling those R's. <laughs> so uh, the Cubs took the series against Urias, and Smiley went, uh, you know, five and one and 5.2 innings pitch. He gave up one run on four hits, two walks, three Ks. Urias took the loss, his first of the year. He went 5.2 innings, but remember, he gave up eight hits, three runs, but only two of them were earned. He walked one and struck out six, but the Cubs got an unearned run off him and made him throw a lot of pitches in the fifth. He was frustrated. He was flustered. And then in the sixth, he gave up back-to-back jacks to Wisdom and Bellinger, and the Cubs, shockingly, were able to beat Urias and take the series. Game three, a couple of young starters, Hayden Wisniewski, 1-0 with a 4.15 ERA, and Dustin May, 1-1 with a 3 ERA. We talked about Hayden having his best start against the A's, going seven innings pitch, giving up five hits, one run, zero walks, and seven Ks. Struggled the first two innings, but settled in, got more comfortable with the slider, which is his big out pitch. That's the one where he gets the weak contact off the bat or gets the strikeout, which he was struggling to do, finish guys off. Did a great job against the A's. This is going to be tougher against the Dodgers. Uh, Derek May struggled in his last outing against the Mets. He went 5.2. He gave up eight hits, five runs, no walks, and one K. The offense gave him five runs of support, but that didn't factor into the decision. He also gave up a home run to former Cub and very big boy Dan Vogelbach. <laughs> 16-inch softball player there. Game... Oh, he'd be the king. He'd be the king of <laughs> Chicago 16. Yep. Game four, he's mo- this is the one. If you are a, a, a baseball fan, I'm not talking about a Cub fan or a Dodger fan. If you are a baseball fan, this is the one you want to get out to. Marcus Stroman, 2-1 with a .75 ERA versus Clayton Kershaw, 3-1 with a .252 ERA. Against Oakland, Stroman went six innings, gave up two hits, no runs, two walks, and five Ks. He set down the last 14 hitters he faced, but he was not in line for the win. Unfortunately, the offense didn't help him out. For the Dodgers, future Hall of Famer Clayton Kershaw takes the mound. He earned his 200th win on Tuesday, going seven innings, giving up no runs, three hits, and nine Ks. Well, Crowley, I got to tell you, I'm glad there's no flexing like the Sunday night game. So otherwise, they would have flexed this if they knew that this was the pitching matchup they were going to get, and uh, it's the Mets and Giants on the four-letter network on Sunday night. So I'm thrilled this is a 120 over at uh, Wrigley Field. I I may try to sneak there. We'll see what happens with the weekend and the weather and everything i got to get done. (laughs) Understood. All right, Crowley, uh, who's hot, who's not? Cubs and Dodgers. Hot. Cody Bellinger, 9 for 21 with one home run, two RBIs. Ian Happ, 8 for 22 with one home run and six RBIs. When we talk about not, we've mentioned Trey Mancini, 0 for 12 in his last seven games, no RBIs. Edwin Rios, they're trying to give him shots, but he's not doing much with it, 0 for 6. 
For the Dodgers, Max Muncy uh, is five for his last 17 with five hits, but two of those are home runs. He's slashing 294, 500, and 647. Mookie Betts is four for 16 with no home runs and one RBI slashing 250, 294, and 313. So that's not normal Mookie Betts, you know what I'm saying? No, and now, Crowley, I heard that they might have to move him over to shortstop because of injuries they're dealing with. The Dodger Miguel Rojas, who he was a guy that really gave the Cubs fit in that in that three game series. Uh, yeah, he's he's he looks like he's injured. So yeah, let's see what Mookie Betts can do. I never doubt Mookie Betts, but let's see what happens on that one. All right, prediction time, Crowley. I'll go first. I'm going to go for a split, two and two, and I've really got my eyes on that Saturday game. Not that the Sunday pitching matchup's not awesome, but this is a big step up in class for Hayden. Back at home against the Dodgers. These aren't the uh, IAs. Yeah, and I'm looking real close at the game I'm going to tomorrow. I want to see. I've never seen Tyone pitch for the Cubs. Never seen Michael Grove pitch. And I, I, I really need a. I need Tyone to have an even better start. And B. I need the Cubs to hit this guy. There's no reason they shouldn't knock him around a little bit in Wrigley Field and at least kind of try to keep the momentum going. Uh, you know, before you go into three really tough pitching matchups. So what are you thinking, Carl? Are you saying one and three, two and two? Where, I'm going to go where, two where and two having? with the split. All right, so we're both two and two. Let's uh, hope it's even better than that. But, hey, the Cubs have uh, won four series in a row. They just swept the A's. That's a wrap. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow us on all the socials, Fly the W Facebook, uh, Instagram. You can email us, flythew670 at gmail.com. And now you can watch us, YouTube, by subscribing to the 670 The Score YouTube channel. Crowley, have a great weekend. Going back to Wrigley. I'm going to love it, and I'm going to be cheering. Go Cubs! It's all over.